Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed. We are going to briskly discuss the transfer window a little bit and then get into the group stage of the Gold Cup and whatever else comes to mind. Hey, Greg. Bells, how are you, man? Can't wait to talk about transfer speculation. Love speculating about transfers. I thought I thought I heard you were going to start a spinoff podcast just talking about transfer rumors. All transfer talk. True? Love it. I'm just going to. Yeah, it is. I'm going to I'm going to name a U.S. player and then I'm going to list every club in Europe. And, and it's monitoring him. A, that's monitoring him, keeping a close eye on Caden Clark. I want to talk about it just because it's been uh, requested by some patrons. And, um, you know, there's been a lot that's happened over the last couple of weeks that we haven't really acknowledged. So some of this will be actual transfers. Some of it will be uh, rumors. And we're not going to we're not going to try to, you know, mediate those rumors and decide which ones are more <laughs> credible that much. I anyway, actually will let's... say that we do have, I mean, because, because of like MLS is such its own, uh, sort of, or like organism, we do end up with, uh, a decent amount of like, uh, credible, these, these actual talks are ongoing rather than just like, again, spin a wheel, name a club, name a player. Uh, there's a real, real chance of this happening. You know, like Pep, Pep once Anthony Robinson <laughs> kind of stuff, which maybe is true. Who knows? You know? Who am I to say? <laughs> I don't know everything. We can't disprove it. So the first one I want to talk about is Caden Clark. He is gone to RB Leipzig in the winter. That's officially official now. And Jesse Marsh is saying nice things about his cockiness in the press. So I'm just I just want to acknowledge that and say, let's go, Caden. He's still recovering from an appendectomy. Not in the lineup tonight, I don't think, for the Red Bulls. But a good a good young player, and it'll be exciting to see how he does in Leipzig. Yeah, and this is going to be another one of those things where, uh, Leib- again, Leipzig, as, as was brought to our attention the last time we talked about this, don't have a U23 team or a U- U19 team even. Um, now, now someone's going to have to correct me about the U19, but they don't have like a Leipzig 2 uh, playing in the fourth division anywhere like a lot of the other Bundesliga teams do. So it's sort of either uh, first team or bust for Caden when he gets there. Yeah. And if it, you know, the if the bust means he goes on loan somewhere for a for a semester, fine and <laughs> that's fine. Uh the second one is Gianluca Busio. Uh the rumors of Serie A interest have continued for about 2 years now. And I'm just going to say it's time to put up or shut up Italy, you know? <laughs> put some money just down. Just Italy in general, right? Because Busio has uh Italian uh, lineage, Italian passport, is that what he has? Yeah. Well, yeah, he has an EU passport, I think. Okay, so he doesn't count against their foreign player, non-EU uh, allocation budget. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and and do we think he's going to go for the $10 million that he was rumored to go, that Kansas City was rumored to have uh, priced him at, uh, what, over a year ago now? Right around MLS's back last year? Yeah, I don't... I don't see the $10 million valuation, but, I mean, I'm famously someone who doesn't see it with Busio the way other people see it. So, um, right, right. There are degrees of seeing it and you don't see it at $10 million. You could, I mean, if you found out he's going yeah. for 6 million in add-ons and be like, sure, that, let's, let's have him over there. But 10 million would surprise you. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Six, six million, six, six million still seems a little high to me, <laughs> but, um, 
you know, I'd I'd happily pay four million for him. All right. I mean, not you personally and your men's league team. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't have that kind of freedom from the board. You don't have that war chest. All right, who else who else is on the move potentially? Chris Richards, the latest rumor is that he'll be back in Hoffenheim for another loan, and I think that's just dandy. Uh he's he's looking sharp at the end of the summer. He is at Bayern, you know, for preseason, but I think uh another another year with his uh with his friend is it Sebastian Hunnis, uh the coach of Hoffenheim. Sure. Uh, another another year another season with him would be great for Richards. And um I think that's that that seems both plausible and positive. Now, Tanner Tessman, this one kind of cr- is seems crazy to me, but he reportedly flew to Venice to join newly promoted Venezia, which is Italian for Venice. If in case you're wondering, uh still not official, but seems more or less done, I think and in, in this case, pretty cool for him and he doesn't have an, an EU passport as far as I know. Um so Interesting. Venezia just moved up, right? They just got promoted from uh, yep. second division last year. That's right. So yeah, so that that's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm sure they're trying to look for budget options to try to help them stay up. But um, I mean, they've got they've got some uh, ambition to stay up. I'm sure, right? Yeah. Now it is it is hard to sort of draw insight from the dark comedy that is FC Dallas, but but I mean. Tessman hasn't been a standout player for Dallas this season. I mean, is it fair to say he was a standout player last year? I think that's would be a little bit of a stretch, but no, I think you're you're buying him off on spec, right? You're buying him for the tools uh, that he's showing it at a young age, and uh, for being able to step into a game against grownups and not being bossed around at all. Um, and I, I assume that that it's in, similar to what sort of Buzio is looking at too. If teams are looking at Buzio. Uh, although Buzio's uh, sort of maybe more on the technical end of the spectrum, is that fair? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I don't know what to make of the Tessman deal because again, he he was falling out of uh, favor, if you want to call it that, this season. But it sure seems like that's more because they had uh, a deal in the works rather than they just rated Cerio over Tessman. Yeah, that could be because he did start. Tessman did start the game, start the season, starting games for Dallas. But you know, who knows what's going on there? They're, they got all kinds of considerations in that front office uh another fc dallas player justin che uh started off kind of rough with dallas i thought but has played better each time out i think i also think that at right back which is not his position uh brian shredder reported that talks for a transfer to Bayern munich are ongoing a couple weeks ago or a week ago i guess i see no massive rush for him to go back there you know, just from a men's national team perspective, he's getting regular minutes and improving for Dallas. Probably better to play right back there than center back for Bayern two. Although and, I, you know, I could be talked out of that. Yeah, in Bayern two again in the in the fourth division at this oh, point. Yeah. Whereas okay. when when Richards was there, they were they played their way into the third division and then won the third division uh, with Richards starting almost every game. Um, it, it, it's interesting because you can you see it both ways because of what just happened with Richards and the fact that he you know, played there for a season and, and it was a lot of people saying similar, like, uh, Oh, look like comparing him to Mark McKenzie in particular, where McKenzie is an all, uh, MLS player for his season with Philly and wins the supporter shield. And it's kind of, it, there was kind of this like a uh, uh, narrative about like maybe Richards made a mistake. Look, look what McKenzie's doing in MLS. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, you know, again, three weeks later, three weeks into January, Chris Richards is now starting for Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga uh, every game. He kind of walked into their starting lineup. So it is hard to draw any real conclusions about is it better to be playing at Bayern's reserves or is it better to be getting minutes in MLS? Um, it it sort of always comes back to like, is Che really good at soccer or not? <laughs> is he is he just like good yeah. enough already or is he uh, how much of a work in progress is he? I'd forgotten that that brief period of time where it was considered that R- Richards had made a mistake by not staying in MLS. But, you know, we apply our very, in my case, limited minds to this stuff every single day. We're bound to get caught up in a moment or a month, you know. Well, there's just – it's because there's always going to be these sort of conflicting paths or not conflicting, but uh, there's no transitive property here. Or because this worked one time for somebody that this is now the uh, best way to do it, it's it's always going to be sort of like a case – like we, we always say, it's case by case. It depends, yeah. <laughs> The answer is it depends. And but but Che, the the good news is I think Che I don't know if the who scored rankings are showing this or not. I haven't checked them, but like it the good news is Che looks uh I think he does look like he knows how to play soccer. He's not he's not transcendent, but he was I would say the probably Dallas's best player on the field through the first 60 70 minutes last night, and, which is not a high bar, but uh he was he was pretty good. He looks like he knows what he's doing out there. You, um, you definitely wouldn't have said that in his first game, right? For Dallas, no, his first no, no, start. No. Yeah, he's 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 settling in, and that's good to see. Seventeen years old seems to have all the tools to be, you know, to play at a high level if he can, you know, get everything sorted out. Same could be said for a lot of people. Josh Sargent apparently not going to go to Frankfurt because Frankfurt does not value him at the 10 million euros. I think it is that Werder Bremen does, but I'm not sure that Werder Bremen valuation is going to fit anybody else's valuation of Sargent. Uh, I guess there's a little, there's a little bit of a rumor that Leverkusen is, is back in the hunt out today on the, on the transom. I'm kind of agnostic on what happens with Sargent. If if he tears up the two Bundesliga, we'll all look back and be fine with that. And if he moves to a Bundesliga club and does okay, we'll all be fine with that. It's just going to be hard to know what the best move is until after the next season, until this time <laughs> next year, you know? Yeah, he's, he's such an enigma of a player at this point because he's buried in in uh, in not exactly what we would consider goal FC uh, for Werder Bremen. Yeah, just plugging well, away in the German rust belt. They're getting they're getting a new manager, new manager coming in. Uh, so we'll have to see if if he does stay, if that new manager can get them playing in a way that uh, they can tear up the double Bundesliga. We've seen so a couple of examples of of managers coming in and turning things around very quickly. We've seen it in MLS. We saw it with Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. Not that Pulisic immediately jumped in and was an offensive uh, staple under Tuchel, but Chelsea turned things around very quickly. So it is possible to get in a, a better coach. Uh, no matter what your team level is, that can fix some problems relatively quickly. Yeah, it's 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 just so funny that so much of our time, my time, and emotions have been wrapped up in Werder Bremen and FC Dallas <laughs> over the past eighteen months, two years. And by the way, you know, just to take your your little Easter egg there about this, the double Bundesliga to its logical conclusion, you should have said that Bayern two got relegated from the triple Bundesliga to the quadruple <laughs> Bundesliga. <laughs> um daryl dk is he moving this summer i don't rumor, rumor mill seems to have slowed its spinning 
I haven't heard anything lately. Well, what, I hadn't really heard anything before either. It was just like very vague. Uh, people just kind of whispering the name Everton or like what what was the I haven't seen any any like Tom Bogert scoops on this Have you. No, I mean, there was the scoop that uh, Orlando had him valued at 20 million and wasn't going to pay wasn't going to accept a penny less. I don't know how verified that was, but that seems to have burrowed its way into the consciousness of the fan base. Um yeah, so Orlando City is pretty good right now as MLS teams go, and he's going to get plenty of chances to score. He's obviously at the Gold Cup uh, with the U.S. Men's National Team right now. No news on the transfer front for Daryl DK, as far but, as I know. But that's the, that's going to be the bigger question for for this month: is can he can he just destroy teams like Haiti, uh, Martinique? Can he do it against like a Canada? Uh, and then and then in the knockouts when we play you know, higher level teams in that as well. Can he sort of be a, just a one man scoring show? Yeah. I think it's a lot to ask. It's a lot it, to ask. It is. Let's find out. Anthony Robinson, the, this, some of the craziest rumors are flying around about him. Pep wants him. No, now wolves are swooping in. I, I think wolves would be okay. That'd be good. A good move. Can I, can I just throw this at you? Who's wolves new manager? Do we know? Have they named one? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, th- I felt like it was another Portuguese guy. So you're just saying out like sight unseen, go to wolves, play for wolves. Yeah. Mid tape, mid to lower top table. Uh, they seem, they have played the three at the back quite frequently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he, it, it honestly doesn't really matter that much. If, <laughs> if Robinson ends up at, like a mid-table championship side and plays really well. I don't think it makes that much difference for his place in the national team. We kind of we talked about this when he moved from uh Wigan to to Fulham that or before he did that like the championship might actually be the best suited like the the league best suited for Anthony Robinson. Just just fly, like just take off and run, like run forever, never stop, uh get up the line, just that sort of back and forth flow of games um so if he doesn't move i'm the same like all right just run run it back with fulham uh otherwise name a team in the premier league sure go ahead give it a run yeah he's not the kind of lad that likes to faff around with the ball (laughs) you know he wants to he just wants to get it and go um conrad de la fuente that's that's an official official one sold to marseille from barcelona the fee was 3.3 million dollars Godspeed to him as he fights for a regular spot there. It seems it seems they value him. I mean, just based on the the way the announcement was handled and everything, it was like this was a legitimate signing of a player from Barcelona. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. We you know we haven't talked we haven't talked about KDLF too much in the last few months, but he's still out there. He's still playing soccer. And and this will be a, a kind of cool look at what it means when teams pay three million. I mean, three million isn't nothing, you know. It's <laughs> so it, but it's also not like uh, you're not buying. You're not like necessarily buying your wins for three million. You're not buying your way up the table. Like, oh, we're gonna get this three million dollar player, and that's gonna move us three spots up on the table. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, commitment they give to a guy that they just paid three million dollars for, in yeah. terms of in terms of you know opportunity on the field. I mean, it's a at three. If you can buy a player for three million and sell him for twelve, it's a really good investment. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm sure that's part of the equation 
with Conrad. Ethan Horvath, rumored to be headed to Fulham, which would be fine. In the, in the championship, he'd apparently get a shot to win the starting job. Just needs to be a regular starter, I think. I mean, that's the main thing, right? At a And the championship is a level that's like good enough, but also attainable enough for him to, to get that. I honestly, for Horvat, for any of the keepers, I don't care where they go. I do want them playing just because the more they play, the more we get to see and, and sort of assess them. Um, I don't I don't think they necessarily need to be playing. I mean, as Horvath just showed, you can make a lot of, you know, excellent reflex saves, uh, even if you've have if you've been sitting on the bench for two plus years. So uh, it's more just like, again, it's that curiosity of like, I just want to see the guy play because I'm interested as a fan. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully he gets he gets to choose. He's, he's a free agent. So hopefully he picks a place where he's going to have a real run and he can get some minutes. But if he if he doesn't, if he gets stuck on the bench. I don't know that it will or should affect his standing with the national team all that much. Uh, you come in against Mexico and do what you did against Mexico, plus what he did against Switzerland. Um, I think he's his name's in the running regardless until he sort of plays his way out for the national team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Forget about Ethan Horvath's transfer rumors. <laughs> they don't even matter. Uh, Matthew Hoppy is with with the U.S. at the Gold Cup camp in Kansas City. I haven't heard anything lately. It seems like he's in the sort of hopefully he tears up the double Bundesliga category. I have no inside information on Matthew Hoppy. Hopefully he he comes out flying as a winger. Suddenly he's uh, he's going to be on the on the winger market. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jonathan Gomez. Uh, after a good run in form in USL, he's traveling in Europe right now, exploring clubs letting people know about it with his Instagram story. Uh, he can't move until he turns 18, which is on September 1st. And whether he can play in the fall in Europe at all depends on if the club that wants him is in a country where the transfer window extends past September 1st. And I did look this up. Italy is the only country in that category of the you know major countries. And I'm, Belgium's not in that category. Spain, France, Germany, England are not in that category. So... Unless he gets uh, transferred to a Serie A club from Louisville City, uh, I think the more likely thing is he he doesn't move until the winter. All right. Well, and he, he definitely feels like one for the one for the way down the line future anyway. Yeah, I mean, way down the line. <laughs> down the line. I know. I know. I think in our last recording, you you wanted to see him on the final Gold Cup roster. I don't. I don't think I said that in our last recording. <laughs> I did say it. I did say it in the recording before that. Okay. All right. Uh, Reggie Cannon. Hopefully Bordeaux want him. That's the latest rumor. Uh, Liga 1 club. They have a front office guy who moved over from Boa Vista. So it's not about what you know, but who you know. Another example of that. All right. Uh, It it feels like he wants out. We've talked about this, that he's he's basically – moonlighting with the national team to to stay away from Boa Vista for the summer. So, uh, yeah, hopefully his agent is working uh, working the phones. Yeah. I think what the way Berhalter put it is, sometimes an unfortunate situation with your club can be a fortunate situation for the national team. <laughs> oh, did he say that? Yeah. Oh, my days. All right. Nice. Uh, he didn't go into any detail, though. Yunus Musa headed to Barcelona. That's the latest rumor. 
don't know, man. It doesn't seem like a great idea, but uh, go where you can play center mid, Eunice. That's my that's my thought on it, and we'll see you in September. Yeah, and like all all transfer speculation should be like almost disregarded out of hand, but especially especially when the big clubs are thrown around because those are the ones that people just love to throw in headlines. Like <laughs> if you're if you're looking for clicks, uh, saying a guy's gonna go to Batiste just doesn't really do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the blockbuster trades for Barcelona uh, have a have a larger audience. That's true. Let's do a couple a couple more names. Uh, I think Taylor Booth is kind of an interesting one. There's no I have no insight, but he did okay in Austria for a team that did get relegated. Now he's back at Bayern. Um, you know filling out training sessions for them, filling out the body count for training sessions. He's not a Bayern first team player now or maybe ever, but it will be interesting to see where he lands. Maybe he can get a move up. If you allow me to just uh, push on through here, Sebastian Soto, he went to Porto from Norwich city. Seems like he'll have to pull a rabbit. I can't remember if that was a loan or a um, transfer, but Either way, he's going to have to pull a rabbit out of his hat to get regular minutes for the first team there. And then a few other names. Alex Mendez has moved from Ajax to FC Vizela. Uh, Vizela, a newly promoted Portuguese club. S- similar situation to Venezia in Syria. Uh, Ulianes is at St. Poulton. On, that's the club where Booth was with Cervania. So he's there on loan from Wolfsburg. Both Mendez and Yanez need a reboot, and there is no better time than now. Wishing them energy and health and inspiration. Yeah, and Yana, then, Saint Poulton are now in the double Liga in Austria. They're not. They were. They were <laughs> relegated. So, uh, so if he if he can't do it there, then that's when you're really gonna have to start asking whether uh, club soccer in Europe is is the way Uliana should be going. Yeah. And it does seem like there'd be a market for him in, in major league soccer, but the, but yeah, it's, I don't know. There's, it's complicated. Uh, the other, the center back loan brigade should be mentioned here. Uh, Miazga, CCV and EPB. No official news on any of those. I guess, I guess several clubs are in the running for CCV. I hear much less about Miazga and EPB, but it'd be nice for them all to settle down, find permanent clubs and, you know, get that sort of nailed down sure, for their just make, make a home for themselves. CTV seems like the kind of guy who could who could sort of step into a a relegation fighting club in the Premier League where they're like, all right, we're going to defend for eighty five minutes out of every game, sit back there and uh, you know protect the goal. Like that that makes sense to me. I Miazga and EPB like make a lot more sense in a in a second tier league. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. And Miazga maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe could do it uh, a little higher up than EPB. but Too mistake prone. He's, he's not going to save you from relegation. He's too mistake prone. Yeah. I don't know. That's That might be a reach. He is pretty mistake prone, though. All right, let's move on to the Gold Cup, unless Here you have go. any more transfer rumors you want to get into. No, we're super excited about the Gold Cup. We've got, we've got the global soccer hierarchy here with the Gold Cup Sunday. We've got Euros probably right below that. Maybe on equal footing with Copa, uh, so this is great. This is a this is an exciting time. Yeah, it's uh you know everybody knows this already, but England versus Italy in the in the Euro final, and um, Brazil versus Argentina in the Copa America final. 
So yeah, so you've got Neymar and you've got Messi and you've got Sancho and you've got Sancho even going to play Miles Robinson. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, and Miles Robinson, right? So we face uh, Haiti in our little world here. We face Haiti on Sunday, Martinique on is it Wednesday or Thursday? A midweek match, and then uh, Canada the following Sunday, the 18th. So we got to finish top two in the group to advance, and I don't even want to hear about our knockout round opponents until we have six points in hand. Well, we already know it will be either first or second in Group C, uh, and Group C is Costa Rica, Jamaica, and that's really all that matters. It will be Costa Rica or Jamaica. Okay. Well, I said I didn't want to hear anything about it, <laughs> and there you go. I'm, I'm uh, laughing because, you know, there, there is a lot of talk about Mexico's full strength roster and whether or not we have any chance of beating them and it's like do we have a chance of getting to them i think is the better question the earliest we would play them is in a semifinal. and uh again i'm not i'm not super pessimistic i actually feel a lot like i did with the olympic group and again there are there are a ton of uh familiar sort of emotions with this roster and the olympic roster um but i'm just i just have no idea i don't know what to expect it wouldn't surprise me um if we if we make this run to a final, it also wouldn't surprise me if we bow out in the quarters. Yeah, I mean, I feel I am encouraged that we have like Sebastian Legette on the in the lineup, you know, on the roster because I feel like he he will bring a little bit of aggression and uh, positivity to that midfield that we didn't have in Olympic qualifying. Um, we also have better center backs. Anyway, um, so you've been diving in on Haiti. What do you think? What do you think of them? What do you think of that team? Uh, so Haiti's like an interesting case, and part of my Haiti dive in was to also dive into like a lot of our Concacaf friendly opponents uh, of the past six months. Um, but here's what I'm going to say about Haiti. I think I think Haiti in this tournament will, is going to be sort of the dividing line uh, of an opponent who is good enough to beat you if you're not very good. Uh, and I say that, again, in comparison to some of these other CONCACAF friendlies we've played recently where we just, you know, massacred them. Uh, and if you go back and look at their rosters in those games, they these were not very good teams playing not very good versions of themselves. So yeah. uh, back in November, we played Panama in Europe. And that Panama team had like three players in their starting 11 who started their most recent games in uh, World Cup qualifying knockout matches. So obviously, you know, that was a heavily, heavily rotated Panama side. And Panama aren't very good even at full strength. They're not terrible, but they're not like, they're not a top tier CONCACAF team, even when they're at full strength. Uh, El Salvador was the same. Two or three guys from a team that, from their, uh, from that starting group that played against us in December that we just destroyed. Um, only, only two or three guys from that group were in their World Cup qualifying playoff uh, yeah. group. And the same for Trinidad and Tobago in January, who Trinidad didn't even make it to the playoff, not to the uh, Ocho knockouts. They lost in the group stages. Um, and then they just went to penalties against French Guiana to make it to the Gold Cup. So they're like, they're like the 11th best CONCACAF team. And again, they were bringing a weakened version of themselves to the friendly against us. So the idea is those teams that we played in those friendlies, like we could not lose to them. Like we were just, um, there was no way that they could beat us and i'm saying haiti is a team that can absolutely beat us if we're not very good okay <laughs> yeah follow, and I, follow all that 
I did. I did. It's, it's it was well said. I I feel like we should, you know, it it's good for our for these young players. This is a very young roster to have to face a team like that. You know, just like you know, Berhalter Berhalter still can't stop talking about how good that Honduras game was for the group when we when we beat him on the late goal from PFOC. Uh But I think like you know, for this second tier, third tier of U.S. players, it's going to be good to face a Haiti. Um, who can beat you, but isn't uh, going to dominate you, probably. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even give some more perspective. Since I went down this rabbit hole, we may as well, you know, give the full the full picture here. Give us all uh, the contours of the hole. <laughs> so if you go back to 2019 and the Gold Cup in 2019, uh, Haiti actually got out of their group, and they did it by beating Costa Rica 2-1 to one, uh, as one of their group opponents. So that that's what got them out. Um, they beat Canada in the knockouts 3-2 to two in the quarters. Uh, and then they lost to Mexico in the semis, 0-1, but it took Mexico the extra 30 minutes to beat them, and Mexico won on, I'm going to just call it a dodgy penalty. I haven't gone back and rewatched it technically, uh, but I'm I'm confident in saying that it was a super dodgy penalty. Uh, and It was in extra time, was it, or it was in the last 30 minutes of the, of, of the game? That that the happened. penalty was in, ex, in, in the last 30 minutes of the game, so the penalty didn't send it to extra time. It was 0-0 going into the, the extra 30 minutes. And then three minutes in, Mexico get a penalty award. Oh, okay. Which, again, I'm not going to watch. I'm just going to assume that it was a super soft penalty, absolutely no business being, being given, and Mexico hold on to win 1-0. Yeah, I remember Haiti was kind of fun. I mean, there was there was an energy about that team that uh, maybe that maybe the current side doesn't have. I don't know. Well, then they went into Nations League, and they were in a group with Costa Rica and Curaçao. And they actually tied Costa Rica in both the games they played against them. So uh, they've gotten results against teams that are, you know, Ocho competitors. So uh, their last Ocho opponents would have been Canada in the Ocho playoffs, which Canada won. But Canada only won 1-0 in Haiti. And then it was 0-0 at halftime at the second leg. So Haiti going into that second half of the second knockout leg, uh, we're still one goal away from doing it. Um, and then... I don't know if you they remember, had but 30 a, a seconds horrible, into that. A horrible goalkeeper error, right? Right. Immediately in the second half, which is just the back-breaking error because suddenly now you need two goals. And when you're the huge underdog and getting one goal is a big enough ask like to try to get that to know that you're now two goals back, uh, that's sort of the, the last straw. And then they conceded twice in the last 20 minutes. So uh, two more times. So so that that kind of I'd say it kind of flatters Canada but Canada also absolutely dominated that game and it took uh a lot of a lot of luck for Haiti to still be in it at that point um and but they, but they were fighting it was like goal line clearances you know like a goalkeeper standing on his head apart from that horrible own goal uh but this is all to say that Haiti again if you don't play well Haiti won't just give you more give you the game you have to still play well to beat Haiti and so if we don't beat Haiti that's a big that that's basically a big problem. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Are we going to beat Haiti? Yes, I think we beat Haiti. Uh, Haiti still give up a lot of chances. Uh, it's it's mostly just like a, a symptom of one on one weaknesses. So going back and watching like the Canada game against him, Mark Anthony K just dominates his one v one matchups anytime he gets on the ball, which he might be better than anybody we have in our midfield. I don't know how you feel about like a Mark Anthony K versus Sebastian Legette comparison, but I would probably take Mark Anthony K there. There. I th- yeah, I think he does well in, in individual battles and, and does hit some nice passes. I don't know if I'd take him over Legette. 
That's fair. Full but that, stop, that's what it was. But... That's that's what it basically looked like is he could do guys on the dribble or he could sort of sit back with time if they gave him time and he'd pick out these really incisive progressive passes that would set guys free and you could do that because Haiti's back line isn't super disciplined or organized they don't cover gaps very well uh they can get dragged out of position um so you'd see that happen or you'd see Alfonso Davies just you know destroy a guy down the sideline 1v1 and and be able to find a mostly open guy in the box so so they can be Haiti can very much be had uh in in attack Who's going to do that? Who's going to destroy somebody up the line? I don't Matthew, know. And I, that's, that was what, the same reason I asked about Mark Anthony K is because I don't know if we have uh, a, that player. Like, is Buzio going to do it? Buzio could do it. Is Eric Williamson going to do it? I mean, it's going to be Yule starting. Yule's going to start this game <laughs> at the six. Um, so, honestly, the big the big thing here for me is, is Daryl DK. And, and that's the reason that I'm so much more optimistic than I would be because I do think that he's a guy who can give you a goal out of nothing. If DK wasn't on this roster, if it was Zardes, Zardes doesn't get goals out of nothing, right? Zardes relies on a pretty functional team that he then is really intelligent with his movement within that framework and and gets into good goal scoring positions. But you have to have all those other pieces in the buildup. And if you don't have those, Zardes isn't going to do it himself. DK can kind of do it himself. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they'll come out and press us, try to rattle us, and I don't know. I doubt that. I would sit back and make Zimmerman and Miles Robinson try to try to beat us, especially in, in Jackson Ewell. Make us make them try to carve carve you up. Yeah. Hey, interesting. I mean, it's a. I'm not an expert on this. I'm not. I'm not even close to an expert on this. But it is an interesting time in Haiti. I mean, their president was just assassinated a few days ago, two days ago, I think, in his home. So, I mean, these players are going to have probably other things on their mind than um, the Gold Cup trophy. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's it all feels very distant to them. But I hope uh, I hope that that can be resolved in, in Haiti. Right. And so in, in the context of the soccer team, they, they were already in the United States playing their uh, Gold Cup play-in games. I think they were down in Tampa. No, Fort Lauderdale. Is that in Tampa? Help me out with my Florida geography. Somewhere. Fort, Fort, Fort Lauderdale is near Miami, but uh, <laughs> Fort Myers is by closer to Tampa. Sure, of course. I must have mixed those up. Um, so they're already they're already in the States, so then they'll, they'll go to Kansas City. So just in case, I don't know if it would have been more difficult getting out of the country or if anything would have changed uh, given the, the, you know, what just happened. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, stay into the soccer aspect of it uh i do think we'll be able to handle what they do in attack uh they're dropping they dropped a bunch of goals on bermuda they dropped a bunch of goals on saint vincent um but i don't know if i'd say like uh, ironically but ironically i think our center backs in the gold cup are going to be better equipped to handle some of the Concacaf attackers that we'll see than our nation's league center backs were who are yeah. our yeah. first choice center backs yeah, because Zimmerman and, and Robinson are both like athletic and mobile and physical, and um, you can only say some of those things about uh, Mackenzie and Brooks. Right. So I, I think we'll be I think we'll actually be more uh, difficult for teams to to exploit in that sense. Um, but you know, the on the other side, no one's going to distribute the ball like John Brooks was doing uh, in Nations League. I don't think it'd be awesome if someone did. Well, there are reports of Miles Robinson's distribution in, increasing in quality 
over the last 12 months. Well, let's see it. Um, do you think we're going to see like do you think we're going to see our sort of full strength uh, lineup? Burhalter's idea of the full strength 11 in this uh, first game? I do. Yeah, because I think, well, I mean, just conventional wisdom would say you can you can rest some of those guys against Martinique and then uh, have them fully rested for after a week to face Canada. Those are the two games you really have to prioritize. I mean, of course, anything can happen against Martinique, but probably will be okay. Should be. Yep. And, and going back, what, 2017, was that the gold cup where we beat Martinique 3-2 on a, on a late, late-ish goal, like a 70th minute goal to take the lead finally? Uh, but yes, I, I kind of expect the same thing, to, to see the first choice group, or Berhalter's version of the first choice group, um, then some rotation against Martinique, and then maybe, maybe somebody in that Martinique game or throughout the week takes over for one of the, you know, initial first choice guys. Because like you, I think I wouldn't surprise me at all if Jackson Ewell starts that first game uh, and then maybe gets surpassed by, by Canada. It's going to be Ewell, Acosta, and Legette. Legette, right? I think, in the midfield. And then uh, Vines at left back. I'm just trying to project, predict Berhalter's lineup. Vines at left back, Cannon at right back. Miles and Zimmerman, of course. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. Ariola on the right wing. Yep. Jonathan uh, Lewis at the left wing. <laughs> Probably Lewis or Hoppy, I think. Uh, coin toss, if you want to call it that. And then is it a coin toss for DK and Zardes, or do you think Berhalter is for sure going DK? Hmm. Uh, 60-40 DK. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. So that would be sort of the least surprising 11? I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, uh, Williamson would be a surprise, I think, as a starter in that for that first choice, first choice group. And so would Busio. Obviously, so would Bello. And uh, who's the backup right back we have? Oh, Shaq Moore. Yeah. Um, I mean, should we talk a little bit more about hate about Canada? Because that game that game should be pretty fun. They have um, they have Kyle Laren and Io Akinola as and uh, Lucas Cavallini as strikers. They don't have Jonathan David, so that's the only, I think, the only first-choice player that's not going to be there. Um, but he's, but the replacements are not half bad. I mean, Akinola is a little scary to me. Uh, like, just just how, you know, how his nose for goal, his the increasing intelligence of his movement, and his, um, you know, how just how difficult he is to handle physically. And then Laren is coming off a pretty good season, right, uh, in Turkey? He's, yeah, so he's still in Turkey. Yeah, so we've got those two guys, and then uh, or, or, or Akinol's an interesting one. Um, Laren was not in there. I, I just jumped back over to Laren. Laren wasn't in the Nations League games against us. He wasn't in the squad, uh, so he's sort of an ad- addition. And then obviously Akinol is the other addition. And uh, we're expecting Canada to play two up top, uh, like a two forward setup. So uh, it'll be cool. We could be seeing Io Akinola starting against us immediately after filing his one time switch. So. Uh, I'm not a guy who holds grudges against people making the choices for themselves. So uh, I'd, I'd be really like excited to watch that game happen if Akinola gets a start. Uh, and it'd be hard like not to cheer for him to do well, even even as we're playing against him. Other people will like probably not will, have that problem. He will do well. Like he will, he will be fine. Uh, he he unfortunately doesn't quite fit like the Berhalter model of what a striker is. And I mean, frankly, neither does Daryl DK. But um. But uh, yeah, we may we may come to look back on this 
defection, if that's what you want to call it, as a uh, with some with some regret, some rue, a bit of wistfulness. Yeah. And then they, of course, they have Alfonso Davies uh, and their sort of uneven center back pool uh, present in this camp. Richie Larea uh, at right back. And then just like the normal, the normal midfield that they bring, uh, Mark Anthony Kay, Samuel Piet, uh, Liam Fraser, Jonathan Osorio, and then Steven Eustaquio and Harry Patton. I'm not familiar with those two, but they're the ones I know. We'll get familiar with them this week. Uh, so yeah, so it's one of the, what I'm kind of hoping is that we go into the Canada game uh, with both teams already advanced, similar to how we played Panama in that situation last year. Um, the winner of the group gets to be on the opposite side of Mexico on the bracket, presumably, assuming Mexico wins their group. Um, so that's sort of what you're playing for there. But that that's enough of a uh, that's a small enough of a prize that you could see some experimental rotation if there are guys that Berhalter starts to think could you know jump over his his initial first choices. So that's why that's why I feel like we could see. Um, a tryout of sorts in a more, in a, in a more competitive match of like a, of a second six um, or left back, you know, any of those spots that are really, really up for grabs or striker. If DK is, goes into the camp as number two to Zardes. We're now uh, three days away from the game. Is it, when is the last possible moment that the roster can be changed? I haven't seen anything official, but in a lot of times in these tournaments, it's up to 24 hours before your team's first game. So it could okay. be, I know the, the tournament I think kicks off on the 10th, but, uh, so those teams would have to change on the 9th, but I think we might still be able to change on the 10th. Wasn't Yanez a 24 hour replacement down in Guadalajara? Some, something like that. It was very close to the first game. Yeah. So keep your inbox inboxes refreshed on Saturday <laughs> morning. There could uh, be an announcement, but Kevin Paredes and Moses Nyman have both, uh, been training with the national team uh paredes in particular has been really good in major league soccer this season and can play left back at least theoretically anyone anyone can uh one other quick note just on on gold cup group stage stuff is is the jamaica costa rica group um just in the gamesmanship side of things uh that group's winner uh goes to the mexico side of the bracket and the second place team goes to the other side so you might see a little bit of uh uh, gamesmanship to to sort of end up in second place in that group to go over and play uh, away from Mexico. Oh man, that seems like a dangerous game. That kind of <laughs> gamesmanship. I would I would uh, definitely if if it were me and I'd already advanced after two games, I would rotate like crazy for game three. Yeah, I suppose. But you gotta you know you gotta face Mexico. You gotta face Mexico eventually if you want to win the Gold Cup. Why not face him in the quarterfinals? No, that's no. You face him in the final. You give you give uh like if you're Jamaica, you go to the other side because you finish second. You give Costa Rica a chance to upset Mexico first, and if they don't do it, then you go ahead and take care of business. Yeah, I guess that's the math. That's the math, <laughs> isn't it? Um, anything else? I feel you know. I feel like we've talked about this roster for about a month now, and uh. <laughs> Don't know what else to say. It's it's been good. To, it was good to see Ricardo Pepe uh, score another goal over the weekend. He didn't have a great game last night, so it, I don't know. I mean, do you, you still you still feeling sad about him not being in this roster? 
Oh, yeah, very much. Uh, I would have loved if he had been striker number two behind Daryl DK uh, for this kind of uh, tournament. Um, and I still really wish Jesus Ferrer would have been on the on the list somewhere, whether it would have been the third striker or the fourth winger, whatever it would have been. Uh, he, and he's been playing. He's been playing well. He had another assist yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, he's looked good. He he's looked the part. He, I mean, he was a little uneven last night, but yeah, he 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 pulls out some stuff that uh, at least nobody else in that Dallas team can pull out. <laughs> so yeah, so if there is a late injury, I'm I wouldn't be mad if one of the guys from Dallas drove four hours up the interstate to Kansas City. I have no concept of distance and time in Texas. Yeah. If that's a four hour drive or a twelve hour drive, I don't think it's a four hour drive. <laughs> Just hop on the hop on the light rail and up you go. Yeah, just go jump on the high speed rail, the tube. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya. <laughs>